0: The Mishnah uh, was talking about a, man, a husband who sa- uh, sanctifies the, his wife's earnings. With regard to the base amount of her earnings, which is equivalent to her food, uh, she owns she owns that because she can say, "Keep your food, and I'm going to keep my earnings." So, according to Rav, who are not in the name of Rav. Uh, that hekdesh does not work uh, because she has a right to keep it. However, regarding the added amount, what she makes in surplus of the base amount, the minimum that she needs to make, uh, there we saw a machloket, according to the Meir, it, it does work, and uh, he, the husband, has a right to it. Therefore, he has a right to consecrate it. That we talked about yesterday, whether that's talking about after her death or not. The other opinion was that of the B Yochanan Hasandlar, who says that um, the it does not work if a man says your add uh, earnings in added the surplus earnings are going to be consecrated. They are not consecrated at all. Now, Rabbi Yochanan Sada does not give a reason in the Mishnah, but the Gemara is going to assume that the reason is because he thinks one cannot consecrate something that is not yet in the world. We're talking about her future earnings. She didn't make it yet. So, you can't make, consecrate something that doesn't actually exist. And so, therefore, Amar Shemuel, Halacha, Rabbi Yochanan Lad, Shemuel, according to this, seems to agree that one cannot sanctify something that does not yet exist in the world. Alright. Shemuel said that Halacha. However, we have a contradiction. We have Shemuel a Mishnah in the Darim says, konam she'ani osa If a woman makes a, a vow, this is a Konam. Konam is a short form for Korban. Uh, people, uh, people didn't always want to say that this is going to be prohibited like a Korban, because that's like a very serious phrase. So they would use nicknames. Uh, alternate words. So qanam is one of those. So anyone can take, say any any item is gonna be uh, like a Qurban and therefore forbidden, and one can do it forbidden to oneself, or if something I own, I can make it forbidden to you. So if a wife says, Konam Shaneosalafiha, what I I, I prohibit Every anything that I make for you, so you cannot to, for your mouth, meaning anything that I earn, anything that I do, is prohibited to you like a korban. If a wife does that, what's the consequences? Tanakama says, and no ser- sari- He Tanakama says this does not take effect, and the husband does not even have to nullify that vow because she is already obligated. From the time of the marriage, that she has to do certain things for her husband. The next Mishnah on the other on Amud Bet is going to list all the items that a uh, wife is responsible to do in the marriage. So, since she is already obligated to that, she does not have the right or ability to prohibit those things upon him. And so, the vow is null and void, even without him having to say so. Rabbi however, says that the husband does need to nullify it. Not because of the base amount. That he agrees that is pre-nullified because she is already obligated to do that. But what if she makes more than the minimum and that surplus uh, then is something that he will no longer... Be able to uh, have benefit from, and that'll be a problem. So he should, therefore, nullify it, nullify the entire vow, so that he will be able to uh, benefit from any surplus that she makes. Rabbi Yochanan ben Amar Shema Ote Asura LaChazor. Rabbi Yochanan ben Uri says he should nullify it, but for a different reason. Because in the future, they may get divorced. And if after they get divorced, he may decide they may uh, change their minds and want to remarry. As long as it's not a Kohen, that's totally fine. Here's the problem if she makes a vow right now that anything that she does will be prohibited to him, even though it will not take effect right now. Because, as Tanaka as Abiakiba say, it will not take effect on any base amount, even though it doesn't take effect now, once they get divorced, then she gets her life back, she gets her earnings, the right to her earnings back, and at that point, later on, the vow will take effect. Once that vow takes effect and she cannot do anything for him, that will make it impossible for them to remarry because. You can There's no way to be married and not have uh, her benefit him in some way. Everything she does around the house is going to uh, benefit him, and so they would be impossible for them to get married. So, although right is true for the duration of this marriage, there wouldn't be a problem. So, in that sense, he's agreeing with Tanakama that he doesn't have to undo it for now, but he will have to do it for later. Okay, now that is a different Mishnah. Regarding that Mishnah, Shemu'el, mm-hmm. Halacha, Ben Nuri. Shemu'el said Halacha is like this Yochanan. Don't get confused. Up here, we're talking about Hassan Hassanlad is in our Mishnah. This Yochanan Ben Nuri in the Mishnah in Nedarim. And over there we're talking about her future earnings—not even just in the future now, in the future after she gets divorced and they get remarried—after they get divorced, those future earnings will be prohibited to him, uh, whether they get remarried or not. So you see, according to this, Shmuel thinks that one. Can consecrate some uh, and, and prohibit it to to her husband, something that does not yet exist in the world. And so we have a contradiction in the Mishnah in Ketubot. He said <inaudible> that uh, if, he has, if the husband tries to make her added earnings prohibited, it doesn't work because it does not exist in the world. And here he says <inaudible> uh, who says that the prohibition. The vow will take effect in the future her earn, uh, for her earnings that she gets after, should they get divorced, after they get divorced. So that is the, that's the challenge. We're going to see a few different answers to this question. Our first answer is that when he said, over here in this case, he didn't mean totally that it's like, uh, would say that the entire vow takes, takes effect. Once they get divorced, but he only agreed with Binyamin Benuri regarding the surplus added to what she already added to the base amount. By this he means the surplus amount that she is currently making, not the, not talking about after divorce, but the current one, uh, which is so therefore not something that will come yet come into the into the world. Okay, the truth is that it's still talking about her future earnings, not far future divorce, but future earnings that she will earn tomorrow. So it's still something that is going to be the future. So it's not really a great answer, but we're going to reject it from yet another uh, uh, even better uh, challenge to this. If Shemuel really meant to only agree with not regarding after divorce, but rather the surplus now, he either should have said that explicitly, or he could have said halacha is not like tanakama. Tanakama said he does not have to uh, to to annul it. He could have said that's not the halacha, he should annul it. Or he could have said halacha, the best would be halacha is like Because really, in effect, all these saying is that i agree with Rebecca that he should annul it now because of the surplus amount that she is making now that she is not obligated pre-obligated to uh give him and therefore uh she does own own that and would have a right to uh to keep that from him and that's why he should annul it for the surplus amount. So that's exactly what Rabbi Akiba said. So it would make no sense for Shemuel to say, benuri, but only regarding Hadafah, not because of the future after divorce. Well, don't say that. Don't say, Say So we reject that answer and bring a second answer to resolve the contradiction between uh, two statements of Shemuel. El Amad Yosef, kun amot the Mishnah uh, in Masechet Nedarim here is talking about kunamot, which is different from uh, sanctifying Hekdesh, sanctifying something to the beta Hamikdash. When someone says a kunam, that has more flexibility, more applicability. For example, a person can say that that I can say that person's fruit. Uh, that belongs to him is prohibited to me. Right? I can say that even though I don't own it, uh, but I'm making it prohibited to myself that is you can do with a kunam whereas for hekdesh i cannot me magdish to the beta magdesh someone else's produce if i don't own it i can't make it prohibited to everyone like a qurban but i can do the more limited thing of make it prohibited to myself even though i don't own it so too adam lo ba olam someone can also use the kunam formula for something that does not yet exist in the world, just like I can, it works for something that I don't own. So, too it works for something that doesn't even exist. The future earnings will be prohibited to me. Uh, that uh, one can say, even though one could not say Hikdish to something that doesn't exist in the world. Okay, good. So, the, this resolves Shemuel over there in the Mishnah in Nidarim was talking about kunam. Uh, where you can do that to something that doesn't exist in the world. Whereas the one Mishnah here in, in Ketubot is talking about Hekvesh, which you cannot do to something that doesn't exist in the world. That's Rav Yosef's answer, but we're going to challenge it. Adam oser perot chavero alav, sheken adam oser perot al chavero. Your analogy is not, is not correct. Right, I understand. It does make sense. Yes, a person can prohibit his friend's fruit on, upon himself... That's that's fine. Just like a person can prohibit his own fruit upon his friend. This is my fruit, and I prohibit you to take part of it. So either it's on yourself or it's something you own that, on someone else. That, both of those are fine, but that's not the same as our case. shelo ba'al olam en adam parot But to make something prohibited that doesn't exist in the world, that would be the same as... A person prohibiting one person's fruit upon another person, both not him. Uh, in other words, he, a person cannot do that even with the konam formula. I have to either be the person being prohibited or I have to own the fruit. I cannot say that Mr. A's fruit is prohibited to Mr. B, and that would be equivalent to prohibiting something that doesn't even exist in the world, has nothing to latch on to. Uh, And so therefore, a woman too here, uh, in in this case, a woman cannot say that my future earnings are going to be prohibited to my husband. This is something that she doesn't own because it's in the future, she doesn't own it now, and she's prohibiting it upon someone else. If she was prohibiting it on herself, okay. My my future earnings are prohibited to me, okay. But she can't prohibit it to someone else. That um, would be the same as prohibiting one thing, uh mr a against mr b so ela amadav hunabededav yeshua so another answer to resolve the uh to resolve this beomedet yikadeshu uh, yadai leosehem teyadayim itnehu baolam mishna uh, is talking about where she says Moreshi says, My hands are consecrated to the one who make them, made them. By this, what the Gemara really means is that, because she's not making it prohibited to everyone, she's making it prohibited only to her husband. But she's, this is removing it from Dava Sheh Lobao since she's making her hands prohibited to her husband with a kunam. These are kunam, my hands, and therefore anything they produce will be prohibited to you. So their hands are something that she owns, they're, they're hers, they're attached to her and uh, therefore uh, it works to say kunam my hands to you uh, is is something that can take effect and it's not really something that will is talking about the future. Whereas, uh, so that's the in the D'arim. The Mishnah in Ketubot is when she doesn't use that formula. She said uh, but rather he says, "Your future earnings will be prohibited." Well, that's not something that doesn't exist in the world. Okay. Hold on. Even in that case, when she says, "My hands are kunam uh, uh, prohibited to you," does that work? Even her hands are uh, subjugated under their they're uh, given over under her uh, husband's authority when they get married he has a right to the whatever her hands produce so he has a right to her hands effectively um i guess you could translate hands as her the her potential earnings she are already uh subjugated to him and therefore, she cannot. She doesn't even have a right to do that. So the answer is Oh, we're talking about when she says, "When we get divorced, then my then my hands will be, uh, a subject. My earnings will be um be become a kunam. It can't be now because right now they're already subju- uh, subjugated to him. But and when she gets divorced, then she'll have them back. So she's making a kunam. For the future, that's where it's possible to do. Okay, but even that we challenge. Is, do we ever find a case where you can, something you cannot something right now is not consecrated and it can't be consecrated, but in the future, it, when something happens, it'll trigger an event and then it will be consecrated. Consecrated. We never find such a thing like that, right? That you would say right now she doesn't have a right to consecrate her hands. Kunam, but then in the future it, it, will, it will happen automatically. So, I'm going to be Eli alamalo. He says, why not? I own a field and I'm going to sell it to you, but I plan on buying it back one day. Uh, Maybe I just need the cash now, but I'll buy it back. So, if I say this uh, land that I'm selling to you, when one day I buy it back, it will be Hekdesh. Mila kadasha, that should work, because after all, I'm not making something hekdesh that you own, but rather something that I own. I own it now. Even though I'm not making hekdesh now, I'm saying that when I buy it back, then it will be hekdesh. So actually, it is possible to make something hekdesh that right not now, that and something later on will trigger it. So, what's the problem? Matkif I says, no, there's no good. It's not the same as the woman. Me In that case, the field, it's in my property right now, so I can make it a dish. And I can say, it'll trigger in the future when I buy it back. ha en But in the, in the case of the woman, she does not have a right to divorce herself. A man has to initiate a divorce. If she wants a divorce, she can't just decide to do it. It's not like a land where I can, it's under my control. I can decide to sell it or not sell it. So, right? The case of the woman is more like a case where. I sold you a field already and then I say that field that I already sold you, when I buy it back it will be Hekdesh. That doesn't work because I can't make something Hekdesh that doesn't belong to me and right now it belongs to you. This is the same as the woman. When she was single, she owned herself. Then she could have made any vow she wanted. But once she got married, she has already delivered, given over the authority of her earnings, the subjugation of her earnings to her husband, and so she can't say, When we get divorced, it wouldn't work. Matkifla da papada papa objects <laughs> to that and says, Me dame? No, that's also not the same. Hatam Gufa u pedot biada de lokeach. In the case of this analogy, uh, if I sold you a field, you own at that point you own the field and you own own everything it will produce. Whereas, whereas for the, for the wife, her, her body is in her possession, she owns her hands, even if the, uh, the husband owns the produce to the hands, so actually the case of the w- woman is better. And uh, yes, true, in that case he cannot make it a dish, but in this case, since she owns her hands now... Well, then she should be able to say, when I get divorced and I get my hand, my produce, the rights to my produce back, the rights to my hands, then it will be like this. Maybe it should work rather the case of the woman is like a case of someone says i own this field i mortgaged it to you i needed some i needed some cash so you are now using the field uh kind of borrowing it and using it and using its produce but anytime i want i can always redeem it right i can always pay back pay down the mortgage and take back the field so i since i own it now even though i'm renting it out i can say this and that hekadesh works that's the same as uh, that is the same as this case where right now the woman owns her own body she's kind of like renting it out to her husband during the duration of the marriage but here too she should be able to say when we get divorced then i'll get the rights to my earnings back but we're not happy with this either. In that case of the mortgage, the owner of the land can redeem it anytime he wants. But she cannot take it back. Even though she owns her body, she doesn't have access to take back her, the right to her earnings. Okay, rather, this is uh, more like someone who says to his friend, uh, this This land is mortgaged to you for 10 years, so he cannot take it back at any time. He has to wait 10 years. But when I take it back and when I redeem it in 10 years, then it will be uh, Hekdesh. And in that case, the Hekdesh works. So the wife is the same as that. It's true she has no right to divorce herself uh, now, but in the future, should she get divorced, it should work. But, again, we challenge this. In that case, yeah, there's a definite cutoff point. In 10 years, he can get his land back. So, yes, it could work for the future. But in this case, she never has the right to uh, demand a divorce. And so it's never in her hands. And, therefore, since it's not a sure thing that is under her control, ever, uh therefore uh, she has less of a possibility, less of a right to make cake dish something that will only happen in the future, to get back what she get back the right of earning. It's true. She owns her hands, but the right of earning is um is under her husband's authority until the husband decides to let it to divorce and let it back and she has no power over that so all this whole answer that we've been trying this whole time that dissolves and we have a final answer you're talking about kunamot kunamot are fundamentally different than anything that's Hekdesh, because Kunamot are Kedushat Haguf. There's two kinds of Kedusha. Kedushat Mamon, if I uh, donate um, myself to the Beta mikdash I, I don't become uh, holy, uh, but rather I redeem my value and pay the money. That's what Hekdesh means. But Kedushat Haguf is like a korban. If I make say this sheep is a korban, I can't redeem it. For another, it itself becomes holy, and that's the same thing with a kunam. The item itself becomes uh, sanctified, becomes prohibited to that person. <speaking in Hebrew> and Nava is based on Nava, who said that if I have some item that is a lien on a, on a it's a guarantee to a, on a loan, uh, a watch or something, and I make it hekdesh it's it, the it, the it's no longer lean to that other person usually if i would just sell it or um or, or uh or 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 donate it uh it's, va- it's monetary value then i'd still have to it would still have a prior lien to the person that i gave it to but if i make it hekdesh as a kunam and in and in, in, in of itself uh, then the lien is gone because as no lo, no longer has monetary value because uh, it has to be given over to it, it in itself has to be given over to the Bet Hamidash. So too chametz if there's a, have a, a loan. Uh, I, I borrowed money, and this chametz that I own it has a lien on it from the to, to the lender. And then Pesach starts, so now the chames has no value because it cannot be eaten, it cannot be owned, it cannot no, no benefit can come from it since it has zero value. So there's no longer a lien on it. So to Shihrur, if I own a slave and use the slave as a, as a guarantee on a loan, and then I free the slave, I don't own the slave anymore. So the slave um uh the the lien is removed the application here is that when she says my hands are kunam to you my husband uh, that takes effect even though he has a prior uh, right to the earnings of her hands from the time that they're married, uh, even though he has a lien on, 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 on the hands. Nevertheless, because she uses a language of kunam that gives it inherent sanctity and therefore its value the, then the, and the lien uh, leave, as Rava said. So that apply to here too. Um, okay, so that's why the kunam works even though it's something that does not yet exist in the world because these are her future earnings, but she is making her hands, Hekdesh, and even though her hands are rented out to her husband uh, or lean to her husband, it doesn't matter. The kunam can undo the lean. Good. Last question. If so, then her kunam can take a, take effect as soon as she says it. Why? Shemuel says, Halakha is like Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, who is worried that after the divorce, at that point, then she will get her hands back and they then she won't be able they won't be able to get remarried uh, the Quran works from the lean even now and the answer is al so you're right Technically, uh, it could leave now, but the rabbis reinforced the lean of the husband on her hands uh, because they wanted to strengthen that uh, institution because that's a basic thing in the marriage relationship and their and their mutual responsibilities. And so the rabbi said, you know what, we're going to say that it's not that the Hekdesh does not work from now, uh, but only at the end of the marriage, only should they should he get divorced. So um, in effect, it's not really something that is uh, something that is because her hands do exist now, and her hands, even though she rented them out, or gave a lien on them. Nevertheless, using the word kunam, she can get them back. The rabbis say, we're not going to give them, let you have them back now during the marriage, because that'll ruin the marriage, but you can have them back at the end. But Shemuel is consistent. He does not think that you can sanctify something that is not yet in the world, if you only use the language of Hikvish. He doesn't think you can use to sanctify something uh, in, that's not in the world at all, and if you're only using saying the language of Hekdesh, then it does not work at all, uh, because that will only affect something in the future. Whereas if, you use, uh, if she uses the language of Kunam, and which Toshi talks about her hands, if you have both of those things, then Kunam has the power to apply it to her hands currently, even though they have a lean on them. Alright, next Mishnah. The following are the chores, the tasks that a wife is obligated to do for her husband. He has his obligations; he has to feed her and so on, other things. And this is her obligations: uh, she has to grind wheat into; she has to grind the wheat into flour. Ofa, uh, she has to bake. Into bread mechabeset mevashelit. she has to wash clothes and cook nurse the nurse her children masat lo make her husband 's bed and spin wool seven items that are her domain her responsibility now one way she can get out of it is if she brings a maid servant into the marriage her father gave her a maidservant maybe part of the dowry she brings a maidservant into it then she can offload those three outsource uh the, uh, the, the those three items of uh, of um, grinding baking and Washing. Uh, those are labor intensive. Those are the first things that she will give to the maidservant. Shatayim, if she brings two maidservants, they're wealthy and uh, they can afford that. And, and she doesn't need to cook and she does not need to nurse her children. That maidservant will act as a wet nurse. Shalosh and Mas and Masat Luam Amitaf. She brings three into the marriage, then she doesn't have to it doesn't even have to make the bed, Ben Osaba Semet, and she doesn't have to spin wool um uh, 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 at all and arba uh, be if she has four maid servants then she does not have to do anything at all she can sit in a cathedral chair katedra is greek same uh, from, from the root of cathedral it means she can sit in a big throne like a queen and the maid servants all do, do all their work so these things, these tasks need to be done uh, and if there's no maidservants, she has to do them, but she can, if she can afford and brings these maidservants into the into the marriage, she can have them do it, and therefore she will not do have to do anything. anythingbeliez <speaking in Hebrew> disagrees and says, even if she has a hundred maidservants. The We will force her, the husband can force her to spin the wool because uh, idleness leads to promiscuity. It's not good for a person to sit and do nothing. Uh, they're just going to find negative things to, to take their time. So uh, she should do something. In other words, work. This work is valuable in and of itself, not just because there's no one else to do it. And similarly, Rabban ben Gamliel says, if someone prohibits his wife, he makes a vow, that his wife cannot do any work in that case he has to divorce her uh, even though he doesn't care and so you know he'll he'll have other servants to do all the work um, but there's a problem because she won't be able to do work because anything she does is going to benefit him and she is now prohibited from doing anything and so if she remains married she's going to be idle and idleness leads to boredom leads to just uh, wasting away and uh, therefore a person should not do that Uh, so we have here kind of really interesting machloket and insight into work on the one hand uh, work needs to be done to take care of the children take care of the um, the the family the household Uh, but there's a positive value in keeping oneself busy in and of itself okay um, now when it says she has to grind does that mean she has to physically do the grinding herself usually people use um, either a water mill or animals to turn these big grinders so uh, we know that, that we have uh, we have experts that are doing this so she wouldn't have to sit herself and grind rather it means that she has the things ground she will bring the flour to the grinding place and supervise it and take care of it that's her responsibility or could be talking about a hand mill uh, if you only need a little bit at a time then you can use a hand mill it's uh, work and um, doesn't produce that much but uh, it could be talking about that when they when, if she has a lot she'll take it to the water mill if she has a little she'll do the hand grinding now this mishnah uh, entire in its entirety disagrees with <laughs> Le'Yofi, he says that a wife is only for beauty, and Ishael le'banim, a wife is only for children, and therefore she should not be doing household tasks and chores. She should just sit there and be beautiful and have children similarly in other Baraita he says a woman is there only for jewelry she should sit there and just wear jewelry he also gives other advice if you want your wife to look beautiful then let her wear linen garments an independent uh, uh, advice if someone wants his wife his daughter to look white. Uh, white was considered uh, beautiful, rich, uh, luxurious. Uh, when people had to work, then they're out in the field, they get dark, or they're working with uh, dirty things, so and this would be a sign of a high class. So if you want her skin to be more fair, then uh, you should feed your daughter young chickens and milk um, uh, at the time of her maturity. I guess those are both white things, so you are what you eat, and therefore one will become more white. All right, so that's, uh, Rebichaya uh, disagrees with the Mishnah, and uh, therefore a wife should not have to do anything. All right, someone out there can do a feminist reading of this to see, which is uh, more or less um, a, a, a feminist uh, making her do all these chores or not let making her do all these chores. Um, you can let me know what you think. Okay, menikah et bena regarding the obligation for her to nurse her children. Le ma matnitin de lo ke It seems that this mishnah disagrees with betshamay. Detanya nadrash lo lahanik et bena. If a woman makes a vow, I'm not nursing. Betshamay my 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 children. Betshamay omrim shometet dad mipi. Betshamay says she has to stop. Uh, nursing, and that's it. She, they remain married, and she doesn't nurse. In other words, Bet Shemai says it's not a fundamental obligation um, of the marriage that she has to nurse her children. If she doesn't want to, then she doesn't. Bet Betilel says he can force her to nurse, because Betilel would say this is a basic obligation of the marriage, and therefore she has no right to vow not to do so. Nitkarsha and No Kofe, however, once they get divorced. then Bet Bet Hillel would agree that he cannot force her because they're not married anymore. These seven things that the wife has to do is only because they are married. That's part of the responsibility of marriage. But if they get divorced, then it's not her problem. So what about the kid who's going to nurse him? That would be the husband's responsibility to pay for a wet nurse. However, if the infant recognizes and knows the mother and therefore is more comfortable to drink from the mother and not comfortable with the wet nurse if uh, uh, if, if that's the case then the husband is still responsible but because uh, the baby needs the mother he should has to pay her and can force her to continue nursing because otherwise it's dangerous. If the child is not going to want to be a nurse from another woman, and then he's not going to want to eat, then he can starve to death. So therefore she does have to continue nursing, but she has to get paid for it because now she's no longer in the marriage and so she doesn't have to she's not getting anything from him she doesn't have to give anything to him uh, so therefore this is a basic responsibility so this is the uh, ancient equivalent equivalent of uh, child support after uh, a couple divorces he is still responsible to feed his infant child uh, so that according to this um, it looks like only betilel would say that there's an obligation for the wife to nurse but according to beth she vows she stops and uh, and she's not obligated. Uh, no, we can say even Bet Shemayi would agree with this Mishnah. Would rather it be according to everybody. He <laughs> We're talking about a case where she uh, vowed not to nurse, but he heard the vow and he didn't nullify it because he didn't nullify it. Maybe it's actually his. Responsibility, and that's why. Uh, see, if let's say he made the made the vow, I vow you will not nurse my child. I, I prohibit you from nursing my child. In that case, said so because he made the vow, he will have to go hire a wet nurse. And um, even if, even according to Betilel, who says it's her responsibility, if he caused her not not to be able to do it, then they remain married. It's his problem. Uh, same as if he would vow and say, I don't won't won't get any benefit. Well, if he says, I won't, uh, you know, uh, I ref- you, you're not allowed to make my bed or something. Okay. So when she makes a vow, but he doesn't nullify it, so who's responsible for that vow? Bet says, he put his finger between her teeth. In other words, he um, should have, could have nullified it, by not doing so he is harming himself. The expression is, he put his finger between her teeth and she bit on it. Um, And so he's the one that's going to suffer, even though she's the one that's biting. She's the one that made the vow, but he's the one that is responsible because he could have nullified it. Since he didn't nullify it, so therefore he can't blame her. uh, Rather, he will have to go hire someone. Bet Betilel says, she put her finger between her own teeth. She harmed herself. Maybe an expression of making a vow, uh, like Shakespeare says, "You bite your thumb at me." Some kind of curse. Uh, so anyway, she made the vow, and uh, the, the fact that he did not nullify it is uh, is not important uh, because she prohibited herself, and this is a basic responsibility. So then he can force her. So actually, this so that explains. Everyone agrees. Betty and betchemi agrees that there is a fundamental obligation for a wife to feed her son, to nurse her children. But uh, if she's the one that makes the vow and he doesn't nullify it, so Bet Shemai says that the Betila would say that's her responsibility, so he can force her. Whereas Bet Betila Bet Bet Shemai says it's his responsibility because he didn't nullify it. So therefore, he should have nullified it. Now that he didn't, he cannot force her. To a nurse okay if that's the answer if there's not, if they're not arguing specifically about nursing but rather about how vows work when she makes it and he doesn't nullify it, then that would apply to anything in the ketuba, and so why not say this machlokit here not, don't say it about nursing, say if she vows about anything the entire ketuba, so then can he force her or not? Um uh, but, uh, yeah uh and furthermore, we have baraita that explicitly says, says uh that a woman does not have to nurse her babies, that's not one of her. Um, basic responsibilities. So all that this answer, attempted answer, was for naught, rather it's clear that this Mishnah is not, does not follow Bet Shammai. Uh, Bet Hillel thinks that there are seven basic obligations, including nursing, but Bet would say, no, nursing is not one of the basic obligations. Uh, the couple themselves, they have to find a way to uh, feed the children, the man—he's—he's he's in charge of the finances. He has to find a way to feed the infant child, and so uh, if she vows not to nurse, then he'll have to find another way. Um, according to Bet Shamayi, but according to Bet Hilel, she is she. This is a basic responsibility. Baruch Amen, v'amen.